Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 159. Today's big Bible question is, how do the people of God respond when faced with overwhelming odds against them? So hello, friends. Happy Friday to you. Today's Bible readings include Deuteronomy 9, Psalms 92 and 93, Revelation 7, and our focus passage, Isaiah 37. As we read yesterday in Isaiah 36, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, had sent his messenger to threaten Judah and its king, Hezekiah, in a pretty much the most arrogant, snarky, and blasphemous way possible. In today's chapter, righteous king Hezekiah sends messengers to the prophet Isaiah for counsel and then is faced with a seemingly insurmountable army and an undefeatable foe. How does he respond? Let's read and find out. And I'll give you a hint. It is a bit of a Sunday school answer, but we're going to go deeper than that. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. When King Hezekiah heard their report, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went to the Lord's temple. He sent Eliakim, who was in charge of the palace, Shebna, the court secretary, and the leading priests who were covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. They said to him, This is what Hezekiah says. Today is a day of distress, rebuke, and disgrace. It is as if children have come to the point of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of the royal spokesman whom his master, the king of Assyria, sent to mock the living God and will rebuke him for the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the surviving remnant. So the servants of King Hezekiah went to Isaiah who said to them, Tell your master, the Lord says this, Don't be afraid because of the words you have heard with which the king of Assyria's attendants have blasphemed me. I am about to put a spirit in him, and he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, where I will cause him to fall by the sword. When the royal spokesman heard that the king of Assyria had pulled out of Lachish, he left and found him fighting against Lipna. The king had heard concerning King Terhaka of Cush, He is set out to fight against you. So when he heard this, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Say this to the king Hezekiah of Judah. Don't let your God, on whom you rely, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem won't be handed over to the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries. They completely destroyed them. Will you be rescued? Did the gods of the nations that my predecessors destroyed rescue them? Goatson, Haran, Rezef, and the Edenites in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvaim, Hena, or Ipha? Hezekiah took the letter from the messenger's hands, read it, then went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord of armies, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made the heavens and the earth. Listen closely, Lord, and hear, open your eyes, Lord, and see, hear all the words that Sennacherib has sent to mock the living God. Lord, it is true that the kings of Assyria have devastated all these countries and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but made from wood and stone by human hands. So they have destroyed them. 
Now, Lord our God, save us from his power so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are God and you alone. Then Isaiah, son of Amoz, sent a message to Hezekiah. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, Because you prayed to me about King Sennacherib of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises you and scorns you. Daughter Jerusalem shakes her head behind your back. Who is it you have mocked and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel, you have mocked the Lord through your servants. You have said, With my many chariots, I have gone up to the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon. I cut down its tallest cedars, its choice cypress trees. I came to its distant heights, its densest forest. I dug wells and drank water in foreign lands. I dried up all the streams of Egypt with the soles of my feet. Have you not heard? I designed it long ago. I planned it in days gone by. I have now brought it to pass, and you have crushed fortified cities into piles of rubble. Their inhabitants have become powerless, dismayed, and ashamed. They are plants of the field, tender grass, grass on the rooftops, blasted by the east wind. But I know you're sitting down. You're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me because you're raging against me and your arrogance have reached my ears. I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. I will make you go back the way you came. This will be the sign for you. The year you will eat what grows on its own and in the second year what grows from that. But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For a remnant will go out from Jerusalem and survivors from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city, shoot an arrow here, come before it with a shield, or build up a siege ramp against it. He will go back the way he came, and he will not enter this city. This is the Lord's declaration. I will defend this city and rescue it for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and left. He returned home and lived in Nineveh. One day, while he was worshiping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adrimelech and Sheritzar struck him down with the sword and escaped to the land of Ararat. Then his son Eshar Haddon became king in his place. So, how does Hezekiah behave in the face of an overwhelming threat from the king of Assyria? He takes that threat into the temple, lays it out before the Lord, and prays. Now, it's worth rereading his prayer because it was powerful and effective. Lord God of armies, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you made the heavens and the earth. Listen closely, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Hear all the words that Sennacherib has sent to mock the living God. Lord, it is true that the kings of Assyria have devastated all these countries and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but made from wood and stone by human hands, so they have destroyed them. Now, 
Lord our God, save us from his power so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are God, you alone. So Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon that is, helps us to see the point here and commenting on Hezekiah's powerful prayer in this passage. And he says this, Neither did Sennacherib end up molesting the city. He had boasted loudly, but he could not carry out his threats. The Lord is able to stop the enemies of his people in the very act. When the lion has the lamb between his jaws, the great shepherd of the sheep can rob him of his prey. Our extremity only provides an opportunity for a grander display of divine power and wisdom. In the case before us, that of Isaiah, Hezekiah, and Sennacherib, the terrible foe did not put in an appearance before the city which he thirsted to destroy. No annoying arrow could he shoot over the walls, and no besieging engines could he put to work to batter down the castles, and no banks could he cast up to shut in the inhabitants. Perhaps in our case also, the Lord will prevent our adversaries from doing us the least harm. Certainly, he can alter their intentions or render their design so abortive that they will gladly forego them. Let us trust in the Lord and keep his way, and he will take care of us. Yea, he will fill us with wondering praise as we see the perfection of his deliverance. Let us not fear the enemy till he actually comes, and then let us trust in the Lord. And in another place, speaking on the same passage, Spurgeon says this, How often does the child of God nurse and feed his difficulties as Asaph did when he said, When I tried to understand all of this, it seemed hopeless, Psalm 73, 16. But then he adds, until I entered God's sanctuary, then I understood their destiny in verse 17. Habakkuk, in a time of danger, stood at his guard post and stationed himself on the lookout tower to see what the Lord would say to him, Habakkuk 2, 1. And we remember what Hezekiah did with the letter he received from the hand of the messengers of Sennacherib, king of Assyria. When he had read it, he entered the temple and spread it out before the Lord. It would be regrettable, says Spurgeon, that our lives should be constantly vexed with trifling cares instead of casting all our care on God. The knowledge that he cares for us ought to drive all our anxious cares away. One reason many of us are slow to seek the Lord's counsel is this. We are not thoroughly emptied of our own pride. When the children of Israel came to Kadesh, Moses sent spies to bring in their report of the land. And of the twelve, only two brought in an encouraging report. The other ten discouraged the hearts of the people with a pitiful tale of walled cities and their giant population. In vain, Moses tried to admonish them, don't be afraid or terrified of them. In vain, he assured them, the Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you. In vain. He reminded them of the wonders the Lord had done in Egypt before their eyes, but they were faint-hearted and would not believe the Lord their God. The friends, may it not be said of you and I. Let us indeed remember the mighty acts of the Lord. Let us remember the mighty power of the Lord. Let us behave like Hezekiah, and when faced with insurmountable or undefeatable enemies, let us go to the temple, the temple of the Lord that is in our hearts, And let us seek him and lay before him the things that are bringing anxieties to us and tell him about it and trust that he will deliver us from those troubles. Allow me to close with three mighty quotes on prayer that might benefit you and me both. George Mueller 
one of my heroes, said this, How may I know whether I have cast my burden upon God? Somebody might say, by prayer, right or wrong, just as you understand it. Right, if it is believing prayer. If you exercise faith in the power and willingness of God to carry the burden for you. But simply praying, says Mueller, will not do. We know we have rolled our burden upon God if, after praying, the heart is easy, the heart is light. If this is not the case, then we are still carrying the burden ourselves instead of casting it on God, and we have need to go again to Him, and in believing prayer, exercise faith with regard to the power and willingness of God to carry the burden for us. And there Mueller is exhorting us to persistent prayer, the kind outlined by Jesus in Luke 18, 1-8. Now, Martin Luther has this to say about prayer. Oh, if only I could pray the way this dog watches the meat. All his thoughts are consecrated on the piece of meat. Otherwise, he has no thought, wish, or hope. No man should be alone when he opposes Satan. The church and the ministry of the word were instituted for this purpose, that hands may be joined together and one may help another. If the prayer of one doesn't help, the prayer of another will. I have often learned much more in one prayer than I have been able to glean from much reading and reflection. It's a good word from Martin Luther on the power of praying together and the power of prayer to illuminate uh, whatever we're trying to learn, in particular the Word of God. Finally, Jonathan Edwards said, Prayer is as natural an expression of faith as breathing is of life. And to say a man lives a life of faith and yet lives a prayerless life is every whit as inconsistent and incredible as to say that a man lives without breathing. Amen to that. Well, let's keep reading, beginning with Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1. Listen, Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan to enter and drive out nations greater and stronger than you, with large cities fortified to the heavens. The people are strong and tall the descendants of the Anakim. You know about them, and you have heard it said about them, who can stand up to the sons of Anak? But understand that today the Lord your God will cross over ahead of you as a consuming fire. He will devastate and subdue them before you. You will drive them out and destroy them swiftly as the Lord has told you. When the Lord your God drives them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord brought me in to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Instead, The Lord will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness. You are not going to take possession of their land because of your righteousness or your integrity. Instead, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness. In order to fulfill the promise he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God in the wilderness. You have been rebelling against the Lord from the day you left the land of Egypt until you reached this place. You provoked the Lord at Horeb, and he was angry enough with you to destroy you. When I went up the mountain to receive the stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant the Lord made with you, I stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. I did not eat food or drink water. On the day of the assembly, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets inscribed by God's finger. The exact words were on them which the Lord spoke to you from the fire on the mountain. The Lord gave me the two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant at the end of the forty days and forty nights. The Lord said to me, Get up and go down immediately from here, for your people whom you brought out of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way that I commanded them. They have made a cast image for themselves. 
The Lord also said to me, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. Leave me alone, and I will destroy them and blot out their name under heaven. Then I will make you into a nation stronger and more numerous than they. So I went back down the mountain while it was blazing with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my hands. I saw how you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made a calf image for yourselves. You'd quickly turned from the way the Lord had commanded for you. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them from my hand, shattering them before your eyes. I fell down like the first time in the presence of the Lord for forty days and forty nights. I did not eat food or drink water because of all the sin you committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and angering him. I was afraid of the fierce anger the Lord had directed against you because he was about to destroy you. But again, the Lord listened to me, and on that occasion, the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. But I prayed for Aaron at that time also. I took the sinful calf you'd made and burned it. I crushed it, thoroughly grinding it to powder as fine as dust, and threw its dust into the stream that came down from the mountain. You continued to provoke the Lord at Taborah, Massah, and Kibroth Hatava. When the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, he said, Go up and possess the land I have given you. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You did not believe or obey him. You have been rebelling against the Lord ever since I have known you. I fell down in the presence of the Lord forty days and forty nights because the Lord had threatened to destroy you. I prayed to the Lord, Lord God, do not annihilate your people, your inheritance, whom you redeemed through your greatness and brought out of Egypt with a strong hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Disregard this people's stubbornness and their wickedness and sin. Otherwise, those in the land you brought from us will say, because the Lord wasn't able to bring them into the land he had promised them, and because he hated them, he brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. But they are your people, your inheritance, whom you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. Amen. Psalm 92, verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name, Most High, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. With a ten-stringed harp and the music of a lyre, for you have made me rejoice, Lord, for what you have by what you have done. I will shout for joy because of the works of your hands. How magnificent are your works, Lord! How profound your thoughts! A stupid person does not know, a fool does not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be eternally destroyed. But you, Lord, are exalted forever. For indeed, Lord, your enemies, indeed your enemies will perish All evildoers will be scattered. You have lifted up my horn like that of a wild ox. I have been anointed with the finest oil. My eyes look at my enemies. When evildoers rise against me, my ears hear them. The righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in an old age healthy and green, to declare, The Lord is just, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Psalm 93, verse 1. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, enveloped in strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. Your throne has been established from the beginning. You are from eternity. The floods have lifted up, Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves, greater than the roar of a huge torrent, the mighty breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is majestic. Lord, your testimonies are completely reliable. 
Holiness adorns your house for all the days to come. Amen. Revelation chapter 7 verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, restraining the four winds of the earth, so that no wind can blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel rising up from the east who had the seal of the living God. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who were allowed to harm the earth and the sea. Don't harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we seal the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the Israelites, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Benjamin. After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the elders asked me, Who are these people in white robes, and where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know. Then he told me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them, He will guide them to springs of the waters of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Lord, let it be, and let it be soon. Maranatha. Thank you, friends, for listening. Please tell a friend, invite somebody else to listen, share it on social media, and check out our website, BibleReadingPodcast.com. Until tomorrow, Lord willing, good day to you and Godspeed.